sitting with somebody I heard about from another returned volunteer, um, and her name's Rosamond, and she lives in Vancouver. And we had kind of lost you for quite some time um, because, uh, as you all know, QSO, VSO, QSO and VSO have merged. So we're trying to find old uh, VSO volunteers, and we found one through Juanita Tupper. So I was really glad she told me about you. So tell me, when did you volunteer with uh, VSO? Um, 1963. Boy, that's a long time ago, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. And that's <coughs> and, and you were probably one of the early ones. Mm -hmm. So tell me something, where did you go? I went to Singapore. Singapore. And what was your assignment? Um, because I'm visually impaired, mm -hmm. um, I was 17 at the time, so it was before I went to college, wow. and they had just begun, they had just opened a school for blind and visually impaired children in Singapore. Mm -hmm. And as you probably are aware, um, at that time, and still in some enclaves in, in China and Asia, a um, person with a disability is counted upon as a curse upon the family. And so um, the social workers were going into the little villages, the kampongs, to find out, to try and seek out children that had a disability, to bring them out and, um, and help them, help the children and help the families, help the children, and help the village help the children. And so the school had recently begun, but um, none of the staff at the school had any uh, training in how to help uh, person with a visual impairment. So I had, my job was sort of a threefold job at that time. Um, it was a liaison between the, the teachers um, and the children. So um, should the teachers have expectations? Um, were they the correct expectations? Um, the children would come and complain, they want me to do this but I can't do it because I can't see. Mm. And um, I would say, well yes you actually can do it. <laughs> um, so that was a sort of liaison job. I did have a, um, a class of students in the school, so I, I did teach in the mornings. Okay. Um, and then the other part of it was to educate the people in Singapore um, that um, just because you have a disability it doesn't mean to say that um, you, you can't participate in both social and um, in employment. Um, so I was there to try and help and educate the, the general public as well. Wow, yes. that was fabulous. 17 years old. Yep. That's awfully young. What, um, so you were going to go to university, so this was an in-between thing. Yes. And how long did you stay there? I was just there for a year. One year. Not long enough, but it was long enough for me when I was 17. Yes. But uh, that was, it was an amazing year. It was probably, probably my most fulfilling year of my life, I would think. My goodness. Yeah. Um, so, what, when I came to your home, I noticed that you absolutely are—you ha you have your complete comfort with moving around. And I wondered when you went there and you worked with those with the children, did they have that kind of comfort in movement? They did. Did yeah. they? Oh, the kids were great. Yeah, oh, they, they okay. were kids for kids. All right. Um, and the teachers were comfortable with them moving around. Mm -hmm. And um, so that that was wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, 
but the what was what amazed me more than anything was the children didn't have the exposure of being outside the school environment or outside their village environment. So although Singapore is an island, they had never been to a beach. They had never touched sand or played in the water. They had never been shopping. Um, they had never been to the market. Um, and they hadn't experienced what adults did when they left school. Oh, wow. So that's what made the, the job quite interesting because I joined the Anglican Cathedral and from there I got a lot of volunteers to come and help me with the children. Mm -hmm. So we would um, take them for picnics at weekends. They'd of course never had picnics. We would take them to the beach and let them um, experience some of these things. Or during the week I would arrange with some of the factories or um, some of the marketplaces that we could take the children um, in to experience these different these different environments. So. Wow, so so it worked out that way, I can gather, because the, either the family or the schools were highly protective of these children and, and did not expose them to these other things. They didn't, they weren't sure of what to expect oh. or what they could do. Yeah. Well, sometimes when you think of a child who's visually impaired and you take them out of their surroundings, um, I'm, some people just don't even think that they'll really experience much. So that must have been amazing, touching the sand, hearing the ocean. Yeah, and I started things like, um, we had a little gardening club in the school, so they gave me an area where the kids could plant things and watch them grow. And oh, wow. um, we, started, um, we started girl guides and, and scouts. Um, I got volunteers in from the community to help with that. And um, <laughs> We started a percussion band because you know kids love rhythm and music. Yes. But I think I chose the, <laughs> the wrong volunteer. It was a, a woman who um, was a very aristocratic um, lady from France originally. Yes. But had lived in uh, India and Malaya for a long time. But she was a concert pianist. So I thought, ah, music. She would help me with percussion band. But I sort of didn't. At seventeen, I didn't put two and two together. But classical music and. Chinese play, children playing percussion band didn't oh, <laughs> really go too well together. Bad, did it? <laughs> they, the kids had a wonderful time, but she was tearing her hair out because the kids didn't want to listen. You know, they got mm. drums and cymbals and triangles, and they just wanted to, to beat them. <laughs> so my job was to wander around the room and try and monitor them to play in time with her playing. But uh -huh. anyway, it was fun. The kids liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so when you got to there, where did you live? I lived in the school. Okay. I had a little, um, I had a, a bedroom and bathroom of my own mm -hmm. and shared a kitchen with some of the older students. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I ate with the kids. Oh. The food wasn't great at all. <laughs> um, but I was told that I had to show them that, um, that I was willing to eat whatever they were willing to eat. Mm -hmm. And the quality of the food wasn't good, and that was on purpose in the school because most oh. children came from uh, poor homes. Yes. And if they gave them really good food, mm -hmm. um, they would go home and say that food was better at school than at home. And oh. So they had to try and give them something that they, similar to what they would have at, at, um, at home. What would that be? Oh, basically... Uh, Bread. Oh, the bread was awful, but um, <laughs> and then they had out of a can they had this um, mixture. It was actually butter and jam mixed, 
Oh my goodness. Never heard of it anywhere else. No. Um, and then lunch and dinner was similar. It was um, a cheap quality rice mm. with watery vegetables and the tiniest little bit of meat, but it was often quite gristly meat. <laughs> Did you lose weight? Uh, yes. <laughs> but I also had a social life, so mm. when I had time off, um, I went out. <laughs> Did you meet other volunteers in the field? Uh, no other VSOs in Singapore at the time, no. Mm. But you made new friends yeah, then? Yeah. Through the church? Through the church and through some of the staff at the school. Mm -hmm. um, it was quite interesting. The um, principal of the school actually was Eurasian. Mm -hmm. And she wondered how I would accept her, mm -hmm. um, but in fact I really liked her very much, and so it took a while for her to warm up to to me. But after a while, we we got on very well. Oh. <laughs> and the people, the the board of governors from the school, mm -hmm. were mostly expats or wives of of men who had jobs in Singapore and were doing voluntary work. Oh. So they would invite me to their homes too. Oh, wonderful! Yeah. No, I had a good social life. Now your parents sent you off at 17, or you decided to go off at 17. Um, that must have been pretty hard on them, wondering how things were. I don't know about whether I would send my daughter that far away. Well, I had actually been at boarding school since the age of four and a half. Oh my goodness, okay. Um, because in England there were few schools scattered around the country for children with visual impairment. Mm -hmm. And so they weren't day schools, they were boarding schools. Oh. And in fact, I mean, that's another whole topic, but I'm really glad I went to a school for the blind because I wasn't discriminated about, against about anything. Oh. And everything at the school was set up for us. So we had um, PE and we had sport and we had swimming. And um, Fantastic. yeah, so to me, it was because that was my favorite, those were my favorite subjects at school rather than oh. the academics. <laughs> well, when I look at you and I see a very, very confident person, mm. I think about those children in Malaysia, and I think about, you know, the, that contribution of just knowing and meeting you at, at uh, 17, not feeling discriminated against, and having a sense of yourself. Um, that's fine, and I was only there for a year, which is too bad in many ways, because... Mm. Um, the, the 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 employers needed to know more about expectations of a person with a disability, uh -huh. and having only been there for a year, I don't know how much of that remained with them uh -huh. that they would consider employing a person with a disability uh -huh. rather than putting them into sheltered workshops, which is what the plan was. Uh -huh. yeah. So I don't know how far they've got with that. I wanted to tell you about my visit in Kenya. I went to a place called Bombalulu, which has, which the government of Kenya has set up for people with disabilities, so visually impaired, phys physical disabilities, etc. It is one of the most dynamic places. They make mm. spectacular jewelry and uh, kikapus, these baskets and fashion and and uh, retail them. They're just such high quality, better than your average tourist kind of stuff. And uh, all these people have really, really wonderful uh, jobs, and they go and they can make a livelihood. And but it still is a place. But are they integrated into society, or are they? That's a challenge. Yeah, yeah. that's a challenge. See, mm -hmm. I think first is I don't know whether you agree. Developing a skill, 
might be very important. You've got to have a skill before you can demonstrate to people that you could do something. Uh -huh. So you've got to show what you can do before anyone's going to even consider you. I think that's what Bombalulu yeah. does. It yeah. develops the skill. Some stay there for a lifetime, yeah. but others uh, go out into the community. It was just a... So it would drive me crazy to stay in one place all the time. Yes. And... I think it does something. You, you need to get society to, to take the next step and just say, these people can do wonderful work. Why don't we hire them and see how, how they fit in, mm. what they can do for us. So when you were out in Malaysia, then you come back to... You, you came from England, right? Mm -hmm. So you go back to England. Were there skills you developed during that volunteer experience that, that helped you? I love uh -oh. the way you said it was one of the most fulfilling yeah. years of your life. Well, I don't know if they call it a skill, but it gave me the confidence and the independence to know that um, wherever I went, I could make a life for myself. Because arriving in Singapore at the age of 17 and not knowing anybody, um, and having a wonderful year, both with work and, and socially, mm -hmm. it gave me the confidence that I knew that wherever I ended up, mm -hmm. I, I could cope. And I could live on my own, I could, I w could be self-sufficient, and so, I mean, how, what better education can you get than that, really? Wonderful. Knowing we can cope with anything, so. And that's given me the confidence to, you know, to go on traveling and working, and... And did you, con what, what career path did you pick? Uh, physiotherapy. Oh! I went into, yeah. Which, were, again, you know, I, I really, I think, grew up in a golden age, because... I went to college in the 60s and I graduated at the end of the 60s and so I was working and traveling and there were no no barriers put up for me. I could work and travel anywhere I wanted to. Wow. So I spent five years working and traveling in different countries oh. um, as a physio before deciding to settle back in or to come to Canada to live. Oh, so, so it was you it was easy. You, you came to, to live here in what year? Well, I first came actually in '69, mm -hmm. uh, about a year, about 18 months after I graduated. I thought I'd better get a bit of experience under my belt before leaving, and um, I also needed a bit of money because I didn't have any. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I came here. And I was going to spend three years working and working my way around the world, um, but I had, was having too much fun. So instead of three years, it took me five years. Um, <laughs> But I always had to make sure I had enough money to get to the next country before I, I left. <laughs> and so I came back finally to live here at the end of 74. Wow. That's about the same year I came, I came to Canada too. Oh, 74? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we started this place at the same time. And it has changed a lot. Have you met any other um, alumni from VSO? A few since um, when we had a few get-togethers here uh -huh. uh, with VSO got together. My brother actually is a returned volunteer too. The year after I went to Singapore, he actually went to Zambia. And what's his and, name? Uh, John. John Ed. Payton. All right. And he's actually back in Zambia now working. Oh yes. Um, but he was teaching outward bound in in Zambia, so um, the year after me. Wow. Wonderful. And then um, I've known Nita for Juanita well, for quite a long time. She was Cusa. Yes. So we're going to be celebrating our 50th anniversary soon in 2011. We're going to have a conference in Ottawa 
And I hope you'll be able to attend. We'll have to see. Yeah, we'll put it on your calendar. You're an inspiration. And I'm so happy to have met you today. Thank you, Mia. Oh, pleasure. And I hope that uh, you'll come to some of our gatherings and meet some of our other alumni. Mm -hmm. That would be fun. Oh, thanks a lot.